In today's show, we look at buy low and sell high options for fantasy basketball trades. The default trade deadline, it's coming up. It's a couple of days away. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore b-ball, on TikTok at redrock underscore b-ball, and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Just a quick note, if you do like fantasy baseball and you want to play fantasy baseball, there is a Locked On Fantasy Baseball channel now. New hosts on that feed, and they're doing a really good job. So if you are into fantasy baseball, go check them out. They're over on YouTube. You can find them podcast feed as well. Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Okay, let's talk buy low, sell highs. Default Yahoo trade deadline is in like two or three days' time. It's the end of this week. I think it's Thursday this week. Um, you won't always have that as your default trade deadline. This show will keep going. The Obviously, my show will keep going, but the buy low, sell high show will keep going. It'll just be a little bit different. It won't necessarily be about trades. It'll be underperforming and overperforming players, things we can expect to change and all that sort of stuff, which just gives you an idea when planning matchups. But this is, in terms of a lot of leagues, your last opportunity to trade is going to be this week. And again, our final reminder on this, a buy low does not mean you have to get this player. That's not what it means. A sell high does not mean you have to get rid of that player. No, he's actually playing well. I'd rather just hold. That's cool. Do it. What I'm pointing out is situations where guys are likely to have regression. And if someone is in completely enamored with that guy and you can get equivalent value back in a deal, you do it. That's all that means. Sell high does not mean you have to get rid of them. A buy low does not mean get them at all costs. It's all about relativity and doing the thing that increases your overall value or your chances of winning in the long term. I hope that makes sense. Again, warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's look at the last time, or well, the two weeks ago. There's obviously been the weird all-star break in the middle here. So realistically, this is three weeks ago, but it's two weeks of game action ago. And we're going to recap how we did on that show. We had Al Horford as a buy low. He was 214th. When we looked at that show, since then, he's 81st. He's going to be frustrating with games missed. They've got a back-to-back coming up this week. Um, he's going to be frustrating with low usage. He doesn't fit every team because of the punt point situation. But he was always going to be better than 214th. He might not be any better than 81st, so they might swing back. But he's just going to hover around that back end of rosters. Franz Wagner was a pretty obvious one. He was 201st. He's 95th since then. I'm a little worried about his usage and about that that maybe never can sort of push significantly high, but he was just shooting really poorly. That's picked up. Jalen Green is an interesting one because it's been, this is three weeks ago. There's been a lot of injury stuff happening in between. He was 182nd. Since then, he's 101st. He's also missed two or three games during that time frame. His value really just comes down to field goal percentage because he's going to get good volume. Is he a 38% shooter? Can he be a 43% shooter? Can he give us four assists? Can he give us a steal? Like that's really, it's not big stuff that needs to come from him. So I do think there is a chance, uh, there is a chance that in these last six weeks, we get a top 50 run. 
there's also a chance that he's out to the top 200. There's just so much up and down with Jalen Green. But if you did buy low there, that was a little bit of a W on his per-game basis. Johnny Collins, not much change there. He was 172nd. He's 155th. He had a concussion in the middle since then, so that didn't really work out that well. Well, Brad Beal was 107th. He's he's 19th since we did that show. I also think that Beal maybe at 19th is trending towards sell high a little bit because he's shooting really, really well. But that 107th was just not likely to stick at that level. And it obviously didn't. He improved significantly. Onto the sell highs, I had Cam Thomas as a sell high. He was 63rd. Since then, he is 172nd. I think he can hover in the 120 to 160 range rest of the season as a good points guy. Think like a worse Jordan Clarkson sort of a player. Um, and it's going to depend on how much Jug Vaughn gives him in terms of minutes and offensive usage coming off the bench. If he's a 30-minute, 30, 30 usage player, then yeah. If he's a 20-minute, 20 24 usage player, then no. Like he's not a 12-10 league guy. But... We saw that once those players arrived, that that insane little run just was not, not going to stick, and it didn't. So he hasn't been a 12-team league guy since in the last three weeks, but I think he still can be under the right circumstance. Porzingis, I had him as the fifth, well, he was the fifth-ranked player. I said, yeah, that's a bit of a sell high. He's actually seventh since then. I still think that that's going to drop off, and obviously he's dealing with a knee problem at the moment. Hopefully that's not too severe. It doesn't appear to be, but that one didn't, you know, the sell high didn't actually take hold there. Jamal Murray, the headmaster, was ninth. So he was rolling, then he had the knee problem, and then when he came back, he struggled. He's 165th. So while I take that as a W because he was never going to stick at that level, the knee injury did also um, help me get the W there on that on that sell high. So I'm not going to take a huge amount of credit. I'm not going to take any credit for the knee injury, obviously. But what he was doing shooting-wise was always destined to fall off, and it did. Anthony Simons, another guy that got injured. Dog him, Red! He was 39th. He's 154th since, and now he's injured. So if you did sell high, that is a gigantic W. Not only did he fall off in per-game value, but we might not see him for another three to four weeks. So yeah, that you've, you got great value there. And then the one that I really screwed up was Mikael Bridges. Now, at this point, I didn't know that he was getting traded. He was 53rd, and since then, he is 20th. I think 20th for Bridges is probably too high. I don't think he's going to be able to maintain that level. But if he sold high on him at 53 and then like he was traded, then that's a huge L. Like can't can't avoid that. That's yeah, that's a massive L. Didn't know he was getting traded, but sometimes we make these moves and they blow up in our face. And that's exactly what um Mikhail Bridges, if you did execute or attempt to execute a sell high on him, it didn't work. Today's episode is brought to you by Fangel. The midway point of the NBA season has come and gone, and we've got 20 games to go in the regular season. So it's a perfect time now to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers to three-pointers made. It's all there. We had a look at this yesterday, I think, on the... Um, on the live show, but we'll do it again now. Look at player awards. They're over there on the FanDuel app. Look at Rookie of the Year. Paolo Bunkero is massively favored, minus 1,000. But interestingly, they've got Benedict Matherin as second favorite. Now, I know we're not betting here to see who comes in second place, but there's no way in my mind that Benedict Matherin is second favorite for Rookie of the Year. That is crazy. Walker Kessler comes in third here. Ivy at fourth. Jalen Williams at fifth. And Keegan Murray at sixth. A couple of names there that I just do not agree with that should be that high in those odds. But hey... Not that there's any real chance of Polo losing, but you can check out those odds there over on the FanDuel app. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. 
when you go to fanjul.com slash locked on. That's fanjul.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with Fanjul, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Don't forget to gamble responsibly. Let's go to the uh, let's go to the buy at lows. But what about Scarf? OG. Stop OG. Uh, you better stop OG. OG Ananobi hurt his wrist. Returned from hurting his wrist and has sucked. Really. He's 202nd in per game value in category leagues. 196th in points leagues. He's averaging under 20 fantasy points since he returned. There's a clear buy low opportunity here. Now, we're going to get some really interesting information on the Raptors today. Given that Van Vliet is back, does Ananobi go to the bench or does Trent? I think it'll be Trent. Let's find out. But one thing I do know is even if OG does move to the bench, there's a few things here that aren't going to be this low. He's averaging only three rebounds a game. That's down from five and a half for the season. Three is obviously a ridiculously low number. He averages, he averaged five last season, five the year before that, five the year before that. These are his numbers, literally the last four seasons. 5.4, 5.5, 5.5, 5 5.3. So I feel pretty good that he's not going to average three a game. So that's going to jump up. He's also, you wouldn't call him a knockdown shooter, but he's hitting 67% of his threes since he came back. Did I say 67? I meant to say 17. I don't know why I said 67. 17% of his threes. What has he made? One three since he returned? Yeah, one at one from 12. From three. He's a 36% shooter for the season. This is going to come up. And we know that three-pointers influences three categories. Points, threes, and field goal percentage. It's going to jump it up. And for a guy that makes his money on getting steals, he's not getting them. Well, he's got some, four steals in three games, but he's averaging two steals a game. And that's what has floated his value as high as it has been. So while maybe he's not the 51st ranked player, I don't think he's going to be that good rest of the season. I think 70 to 85 is probably more realistic. There are some very clear indicators here. He's averaging eight points in three games. He's shooting 17% from three. The steals are well down. The rebounds are well down. The three-pointers made are from 1.8 down to 0.7. If you can get OG for a guy that's around the top 100, I would do it. I think there's just a huge opportunity here for him to have, and he can have very clear top 40 runs. Um, I would be inclined to have a look at acquiring him. Let's go to New Orleans. Jonas Vasilinovasas. Valanciunas is 176th. In category leagues since the last time we did this three weeks ago, 149th in points leagues. And you'd think with Zion out, with Nance now out as well, with guys in and out of lineups, that Valanciunas would have been able to step it up. Some of that is coaching and Willie Green and weirdly limiting him. But some of it's also just some other stuff that's been off. He's averaging just 23 fantasy points versus 29 for the season. So do you rely upon Jonas Valanciunas for blocks? No, you don't. He's averaging half a block a game. So when I say... He's only averaging 0.2 blocks per game. You go, well, that's funny. He's not a blocks guy anyway, but it impacts stuff. 0.5 blocks is one and a half fantasy points. In ESPN, it's two fantasy points. If you go from 0.5 blocks down to 0.2 blocks, well, that's a big drop. That's over what? 50%? It's over a 50% drop. And while it doesn't make that much of a difference, you don't think, a four-game week, getting half a block a game is two blocks. You don't get big block numbers during the week. You might get 34, 33. Two blocks is big. If instead of getting two blocks for the week, you get one block for the week, that can be impactful for a guy where you rely upon it. Again, it's not a huge thing, but it impacts rankings. Also, he's just not getting any usage. What's happening there? Under 18% usage. When you'd think 
without Zion, the usage push up. He's at 23 for the season. Now, some of that is Ingram just not hogging, but getting every position in the world. So I'm a little worried about how that pushes up. He's also a guy that, again, he's not a great three-pointer. You don't rely upon him, but he's hit none of them. He hasn't hit a single three in the last two weeks, three weeks. He hasn't hit a single three-pointer. And he's only hitting half a three a game, but that's one and a half points per game, isn't it? And that influences what he does. So he's averaging like 11 points versus 15 for the season, despite playing four extra minutes. Because he's not getting shots. The shots aren't going in. He's also not getting any blocks. He's not hitting any threes. His free throw percentage has dropped off. He's just struggling. Some of this is fixable very easily. Hit a three, block a shot. Some of it is also why is he being deprioritized offensively? And that's where I have some worry. So while he is 176, he's not a droppable player. If someone drops him, I add him. If I'm in a deeper league, I throw my worst player at him. If I'm in a 12-team league, I, I try it with my worst player, but I'm not sure it gets pulled off. But what I'm saying is there is going to be, I think, a, a sizable spike coming at some point for Valanciunas. Top 50? No. Top 70? Probably not. And honestly, he was one of the worst ranked players in the preseason. He, he was ranked at like 50th. Him and Tobias Harris in the 50s was insane to me. And Maxi, they were three that I just targeted. That said, this is and Michael Porter. They were there was four absolutely ridiculous rankings in the 50s in the preseason that made no sense, and they've all been horrendous. But I think Valanciunas can easily, easily get back inside the top 100 here without too much concern. We'll go to his teammate as well because it hasn't been great for CJ McCollum. 164th in category leagues. 78th in points leagues. He's averaging 30, under 31 fantasy points, and he's averaging 37 for the season. Six fantasy point difference. It's a big difference. So what's actually going on here with CJ? Well, he's a guy last year. Remember he turned into this weird punt free throw player last season when he hit 68% of his free throws? Go, That's strange. He'd been at 78, 80, 80, 80 every, every season. And then he started off this season shooting really well. He's at 79 for the season from the line. But over the last three weeks, he's at 71%. So... I can look at that and go, yeah, he should improve, but I'm also going, ooh, ooh, is this last season's bullshit coming back? And then I tie this back in to he's got a thumb problem, thumb problem, right hand, right thumb. Are these shooting numbers, 71 from the line, 24% from three? Is it because his thumb is busted and he's going to have more more surgery or uh, more scans done on it? That is a worry. So I say all of this with CJ to go, these are numbers which are massively below what he's done all season. 17 points per game versus 21. 23% versus 38% from three. 70% versus 79% from the line. They are all massively low. 0.3 steals versus 0.9 steals. Massively low. But is it his thumb? So I put this in the buy low, looking at this going, this stuff is going to improve. I'm pretty confident. But I'm also very wary about the thumb. I'm worried that these things are not random variants, that it is thumb-related. And that gives me a level for concern. So, why I include him as a buy low? Because people can panic. They can look at his recent production and do exactly what I am saying now, going, ooh, he's really struggling. I think his thumb's rooted, and I don't want to be in the CJ McCollum business anymore. So they might be willing to give him up for nothing for really low-cost low, low cost stuff. And remember, heading into fantasy playoffs, in fantasy playoffs, end of season, like if someone ends up being, if he ends up being 164th or 140th because his thumb is busted, you drop him. So if you can get him for cheap because the person is panicked about the thumb causing all these decreases, 
you do it. Because if he improves, you've got a massive W. And if he doesn't, you piss him off. That's why I'm including him on the buy low. Because I think that the narrative surrounding him with the thumb injury should be enough to convince someone to give him up for a very cheap price. Understanding that you might only have a 30% chance of this actually improving. Because maybe it is thumb related. But if it works out, it's huge. And if it doesn't, you cut him. That's why I'd include him on that. The future MVP, Cole Kuzma. 150th in category league, 77th in points leagues. He's averaging under 31 fantasy points and he's at 36 for the season. So it's a big dip. So what's going on here? Well, he can't hit any twos. This is a simple one. He's at 53% from two-point range for the season, 44. And we've seen it. He has these games where he's like 20 attempts, 38%. His field goal percentage is down under 38%. He's at 45 for the season. This is just hit some shots. He's taking a lot of them, but they're just not going in. He's also almost cut his assists in half, down from 3.9 to 2.3. That should be able to come up. But it's just a massive shooting slump. Now, Kuzma's been in a pretty significant slump for a while. He is 86 for the season in category leagues. But over the last two months, he's 113, despite averaging 20 points per game. Because he gets no defensive stats. And if your field goals drop from 45 to 41, then you're going to fall way down there. But it's just been significantly worse over the last three weeks where he can't even hit 40% of his shots. And it's really like the threes are way off and the twos are like 10 percentage points off. So they are likely to improve. Whether they get back to season-long numbers, I'm not sure. But there is plenty of room, even if they don't go from from 43 to 53, there's plenty of room in between there to see big improvements. Like go to 48% from two, go to 49% from two. Like he shot 50% from two the last three seasons. So expecting him to at least nudge back towards 50, I think he's pretty reasonable. So again, Kuzma struggling, has been struggling for a long period of time. People get really riled up when someone kills their field goal percentage, and he is killing it. He is turning you into a punt field goal percentage team. There are the ones who have the punt field goal guys that go, I don't care, mate. Like, I'm going to lose field goals. That's fine. But there are others that go, man, I can't deal with him shooting three of 20. I can't deal with it. So that's where you come in. That's where you try and get the the buy low happening. Our last buy low is in Chicago. It's DeMar DeRozan, who's 94th in category leagues over the last three weeks and 68th in points leagues. He did have this thigh problem. We'll see how much that impacts him moving forward. So what's happening with DeMar? He's averaging 41 fantasy points for the season. He's down under 32 over the last three weeks. Why? What is going on? What it, What's happening here? Well, it's one of those situations that we talk about. He's an elite free throw shooter, right? Elite. 88%. That drives his value. In category leagues, that is his number one category. But over the last three weeks, he's hitting 77% of them. So he goes from being an elite absolute strength to actually a small negative. And free throw percentage, while it's not three-point percentage, free throw percentage influences two categories, scoring and free throw percentage. So you drop off from there and you go from hitting 88% on seven attempts and instead you go from making six and a half free throws to four free throws. Well, there's two points off your scoring already. It's not just that though. His usage is also down from 30 to 26. And his scoring is down from 25 to 19. They are playing him now more at power forward. I know that they refuse to list him at power forward because they put Alex Caruso at power forward. DeRozan's their power forward. I don't care what they tell me. DeRozan's their power forward. 
So you'd think that this rebound number, which is down at 2.6 when he's at 4.6 for the season, has a real chance to improve. And I think it will. That one should self-correct. The free throws, I have no lack of faith in DeMar DeRozan's free throws at all. And the scoring, I think that'll come up. I think DeRozan can easily be a top 40 player rest of the season, but it is a slump. And it is worth noting. The thing that worries me probably the most out of all this is the usage down at 26% versus 30 for the season. Will he stick there? They're giving a little bit more usage to Kobe White. So Levine's doing a little bit more. Like, does DeRozan stick at that lower usage? I'd be a little bit a little bit concerned about that. But I still think that, you know, if we're looking at him, if you can get him for anything outside the top 60, outside the top 50, I'd inquire into it. And if you can't, leave him alone. You don't need to do anything with it. Sal Highs. DeAndre Ayton. Kevin Durant's going to return next game. So it might be a little hard to do this, but we've got to look at it anyway. He's 17th over the last three weeks in category leagues, 25th in points leagues, averaging almost 42 fantasy points versus his total of 36 for the season. Um, I included something here, his rebounds, which are actually down, which is interesting to me. I don't know why... I don't know why they're down. He's down from 10.1 down to 8.7, yet still able to increase his overall value. That's an interesting thing. So that gives him a little bit of a buffer, but there are two things which are just gigantic things. And I think they're worth investigating. He's averaging 21 points per game, up from 18.7. That's the thing where I go, oh, okay. Durant coming in, he's just not going to have that level. He's not going to be able to score that much. Can he be efficient? Yeah, look, over his last month, he's shooting 65% from the field. He should be able to be a 60-plus percent shooter. He should be able to. But my thing is, he's at 24 usage there. He is going to lose some shots. He'll get easier ones. But if he rolled at 18 or 19 usage from here on out, I wouldn't be shocked. A Booker, Aiton, sorry, Booker, Paul, Durant. Not even Paul. Booker and Durant are going to take the shots. And then Paul and Aiton get cleanup duty. So if his 24 usage falls to 18 usage, then that is going to drop those that scoring down. And then the other thing that's been very interesting, and I don't know how much this is Durant at all, but he's at 1.8 blocks. He's at 0.8 for the season. And yeah, he's never had a season with blocks like this since his rookie year, really. Well, not a season like this, a stretch like this. Is this real? I'd have to guess no. But look, his last few games, two these are block totals. 2-1-2-1-2-3. Two, one, two, one, two, really good. The games before that, 0 one one zero 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 two. So I think it's a little fluky and it's definitely driving his value up. But if I could get a top 30 player for Aiden, I would I would probably do it. Understanding that there is a potential usage drop. There's an unrelated blocks drop probably coming. Even though the rebounds might jump up or the efficiency might jump up. I just don't think that he maintains top 20 value. I think that he's more of a 35 to 45 range player. Gordon Haywood. The... Urge, I guess, would be, well, LaMelo Ball's out for the season. So Haywood's going to have an increased role, and I, I do get that. I think that is fair enough. They do have a two-game week at some point in the playoffs coming up, depending on where that fits in your playoffs. In the next three weeks, there is a two-game week coming up. Gordon Haywood is 42nd over the last three weeks. He's 55th in points. Leagues. He's averaging 35 fantasy points. He's been 27 for the season. He's been bad most of the year, even in category leagues. He's not a top 120 player per game this season. He has turned this recent run of form right around, but it's not sustainable. 
ball being out will give people the idea that he can stick. Ball being out doesn't allow him to shoot 59% from two, which is what has happened over the last three weeks. He's at 53 for the season. Ball being out doesn't allow him to continue to shoot at 42% from three when he's at 32 for the season. Yes, 32 is a low number, and I don't expect it to stay that low. But I don't expect that that shooting number, of the, the true shooting of like 64%, is going to be able to maintain with Lamella ball out. That has nothing to do. In fact, Lamella ball out maybe actually increases his usage but decreases his efficiency. He's also averaging 19 points per game when he's averaging, what, 14.6 for the season. Now, that could stick. His usage is under 20 for the year. He's up at like 24, 25 over the last three weeks. That could easily stick, especially with ball out. But I just worry that this stuff, the efficiency stuff, is just got no way of holding on. So if I could sell him, if I could get a top 70 player, probably top 65 player back for Gordon Hayward, if someone's like, well, ball is out, I'm really going to ride Gordon Haywood. And I don't know that that person exists. Let's be honest. They might exist. They might not. But this absolutely stands out to me as something that can't hold on. And that's what we're looking at. Reminder, you do not have to trade. So when you go, oh, well, no one's going to buy this. Oh, well, that's fine. If no one buys him, not a problem. I ride it out. He drops off. You do not have to trade. You do not have to scour and make a trade every week. You don't have to do it. But if you can, you take the ones of the W's and you don't have to do it otherwise. So while this might not work, no one might buy it. It might in some in some spots. Some people might do it. But it's also an understanding that, hey, there's going to be a drop-off here. Um, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, flying at the moment. 47th in category leagues, 115th in points leagues. Averaging 27 fantasy points versus 23 for the season. Why? Well, really, really easy stuff. Three things that stand out here. 76% on his twos. Right, that's, just, that's just not going to stick. No one shoots that, apart from his teammate, Jokic. No one shoots 76% on twos. He's at 51 for the season. It's almost 25 percentage points. It's going to fall. He's also hitting 93% from the line. And people can do that, but not him. This is not what he does. He's an 84 and 86 guy. And that might not be huge, on his you know, two or three attempts per game. But it's at least one or half half to one point per game. And then he's also decided, right, I'm blocking shots now. He's at 0.5 blocks for the season. He was at 0.3 last season, 0.4 the year before that, 0.2 the year before that. And he's on a little heater here where he's just getting millions of blocks. His little stretch here of games, the last six games, two blocks, two blocks, one block, two blocks, one block, zero blocks. Like he's on a huge stretch of just getting blocks and doubling his season-long block rate. I think that KCP is fine. Like He's been a top 100 guy for a big stretch of time here, mainly because of how many steals he gets. But he's elevated that by adding blocks and unbelievably elite percentages. Now, he's been a ridiculous three-point shooter all season. What's he shooting? 45% from three. The fact that he's done this for 60 games makes me feel that fantasy playoffs, he's going to have a stretch where he shoots 30% from three and is the 200th best player. And then if you tie that in with a drop in free throws and a low low blocks, he's going to be useless. If I could get any top 80 player back for him, I would do it. I don't know that I can. I might actually do it if I can get a top 100 player back. There are just certain things here. Like I don't, I wouldn't feel good about saying, yes, he'll be a 45% three-point shooter rest of the season who blocks a shot per game with two steals per game, which is what he's doing. That feels really hard to rely upon. So I would look to uh, cash in. And the last guy in Oklahoma City, 
Broncos country, let's ride. I love Jalen Williams, but he's also flying at the moment. And the way that I think you can get some sell-high value on him is that people will be like, ooh, Shay's getting shut down, isn't he? Fake COVID protocols, fake abdominal injuries. The Thunder are too good. They're shutting him down. There are people who believe that narrative. I don't. Simple. So people go, well, Shea will be out. So Jalen is going to fire up and be great rest of the season. And I'd argue that Jalen's been great anyway. Shea being out doesn't help Jalen in the areas that are helping him at the moment. He's averaging 32 fantasy points versus 26 for the season. Yeah, he's not a 26 fantasy point guy. He is higher than that. He's 112th in category leagues for the season. I think he's easily a, a top 80 player rest of season, but not a top 50 player. Because what he's doing, and look, again, there are a few things here. He's a 33% three-point shooter for the season, which has always felt low to me. I thought he could always be a 36-37 guy. But he's ramped it up. Last three weeks, 40%. And he's combined that with hitting 93% from the line when he is at 76 for the season. Can he be a 78-79 guy? Yeah. Can he be an 80% free throw guy? Yeah, he can. But 93 is insane. Same as what KCP's been shooting. So he's tying in increased three-point percentage, increased free throw percentage, putting his true shooting at like 63%. And that's got nothing to do with Shea being out. It's got it's nothing to do with it. The extra usage is really nice with no Shea. Not that he's a 26 usage guy or anything like that. He's like 20. He doesn't really take that on. His steals, they're, he's rolling at like 1.8 steals. And that look, he's at 2.1 steals over the last 25 games. So maybe he sticks at that level. There is still going to be some regression there. We've actually started to see that. He's only had six steals in his last four games. So if the steals fall, the three-point percentage falls, the free throw percentage falls, it's going to make him drop back to the 80s versus the 50s. But the way to sell high is the increased role. Is the value up because Shea is out? People won't dig in. Look, Shea being out doesn't make him a 15% better three-point shooter. Shea being out doesn't make him a 40% three-point shooter. It's not nothing to do with that. Shea being out doesn't make him get two steals per game. None of that does that. So you can try and use any sort of Shea panic to just see, just float it around. Can you get top 60 back for Jalen? Maybe, maybe not. If you can't, you hold on. If you can, W. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you are here on YouTube, thumb it up. Leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.